Well, everybody, good morning again. We're going to be studying in 1 Kings, first of all, and then we'll be flipping to the New Testament to make an application to ourselves. It's a simple thought today, um, but it really, I, I think it bears a lot on the heart and on the mind as we consider the lesson today. And somehow, oh, there. I lost my notes for a second. Too many, too many things going on on my screen. The lesson's called, Can I Number My Blessing, My Sacrifices? <laughs> the very first time I, I said it, I messed it up. Can I number my sacrifices? We're so used to saying and count your blessings. But today we're talking about numbering sacrifices. Um, and you could certainly can make the case for their relationship to one another because if you if you can number your blessings, you count your blessings, then you're certainly going to consider those blessings, consider the mercies of God, and then start to say, "All right, what's that? What I I know my blessings now. What am I doing for God?" And that's what the lesson is: is to really get us to consider, you know, if we really are understand our blessings from God, then what are we doing for him? And can I number those sacrifices? So let's go through the lesson. First of all, in first Kings chapter five, I want to set up first of all, this idea of Solomon building this temple. And this is a portion of the reading that those of you who are reading through the old Testament with us this year, you would have read this just recently, but Solomon is working on building the temple his dad wanted to do it, but it was left to him uh, to take over this job. And he gets some help from King Hiram, um, one of his dad's uh, best buddies and a man that he was in alliance with. First Kings chapter five, verses two through five. Then Solomon sent word to Hiram saying, you know that David, my father, was unable to build a house for the name of the Lord, his God, because of the wars which surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. Behold, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spoke to David my father, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, he will build the house for my name. Of course, the reason... Solomon is telling this to Hiram is because he's going to need Hiram's, you know, he's going to need the lumber and those expert cutters uh, from Tyre. So he is soliciting help. Uh, now on to chapter 5 and verses 13 through 18. Listen to the amount of work. And I will make a note that I think connected with the building of the temple that you also have the building of King Solomon's abode too. Um, but most of this help is noted as help for the temple. Now King Solomon levied forced laborers from all Israel, and the forced laborers numbered 30,000 men. He sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 10, a month in relays. They were in Lebanon a month and two months at home, and, and Adoniram was over the forced laborers. Now so Solomon had 70,000 transporters and 80,000 ewers of stone in the mountains, besides Solomon's 3,300 chief deputies who were over the project and who ruled over the work, over the people who were doing the work. 
Then the king commanded and they quarried great stones, costly stones, to lay the foundation of the house with cut stones. So Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders and the Gebelites cut them and prepared the timbers and the stones to build the house. There are many people going hard at work um, on this building. And, you know, with that many people, you almost think, well, it'd take a couple of days to get it done. It takes more than a couple of days to build the house of the Lord. Chapter six, verse seven. The house was, while it was being built, was built of stone prepared at the quarry. And there was neither hammer nor axe nor any iron tool heard in the house while it was being built. One of those memorable things about the building of this initial temple. It was a quiet, quiet place at the actual location um, of the threshing floor where it was being built on the, the temple mount. On to chapter 6, verses 37 and 38. In the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. In the month of Ziv, in the seventh year, in the month of Bull, which is the eighth month, the house was finished throughout all its parts and according to all its plans. So he was seven years building it. So this is a long time of work, a lot of work, a lot of hard work, a lot of laborers, a lot went on to this. This is a very special house. And I think perhaps here, even though it's finished, it's not necessarily everything is prepared to go into it. Uh, so some of that work had to be done too. On to chapter 7, um, verses, verse number 51. Thus all the work that, the, that King Solomon performed in the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things dedicated by his father David, the silver and the gold and utensils, and he put them in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. So this was a long time coming. They did a lot of work, a lot of preparation, a lot of things going on to this. It's just an amazing feet that they uh that they contributed to and what they were doing so then the day comes once it's finished then the ark needs to be brought into its its resting place there the place where the the lord will reside in that temple so chapter 8 verses 1 through 6 these are the passages that were read i want to read them again quickly just so we have in our minds, what all was going on here, and in particular, we're going to be thinking about the sacrifices when we get to them. Chapter 8, verse 1. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes and the leaders of the father's households of the sons of Israel to King Solomon in Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is uh, Jerusalem, which is Zion. All the men of Israel assembled themselves to King Solomon at the feast in the month Ethanim, which is the seventh month. Then all the elders of Israel came and the priests took up the ark. They brought up the ark of the Lord and the tent of meeting and all the holy utensils which were in the tent. And the priests of the Levites brought them up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled to him were with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen, they could not be counted or numbered. Then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place and to the inner sanctuary of the house, to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. What a wonderful thought and a wonderful 
thing. You know, David wanted this. All the people of Israel wanted this. And it was such an exciting thought. And they, you know, seven years with all that work they had put in this. Now they're finally getting the ark put where it belongs. God has a home. It's not a tent, not with wind blowing through it and whatever. This is a house, a home for God. And they are celebrating and they are so, so happy, so joyful, so, so enthralled with what's happening that should be happening as it should be. Just this is the way it is. This is, this is God finding his home and they're thrilled and they sacrifice to the Lord. They show God how important this is to him by sacrificing sheep and oxen. And notice it says so many sheep and oxen they can't count them just imagine how many you know they were pretty good at we see some big numbers they could count armies they could count a bunch of sacrifices in other places here it says maybe this is the only place in scripture where it says it i think so that i can think of how many could this have been how many do you think you know 100 they would certainly be able to count thousands they'd be able to count was it is it more than 10,000 is it is it 100,000 what is it how many? And we just don't know. It was too many to be counted. But we do have something to compare this number to. I know that there is a number that is great, that this is greater than because it's as soon as they get the ark into place, then Solomon, he says some prayers, he talks to the people and reminds them of some things. And then in chapter 8, verses 62 through 63, we're going to learn that they do some more sacrifices and these sacrifices are going to be numbered. So chapter eight, verses 62 and 63. Now the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. Solomon offered for the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the sons of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. So here's the dedication. There's prayers of dedication, the, the talks that Solomon give, but then there's more sacrifices. They had sacrifices before they got to the temple, and there are more sacrifices after it is brought to the temple. Now, if you are um, not close to a, a monitor, I'd encourage you to get there. I'm going to share a screen, and I hope this works. And I think it will. There's some sheep. Um, Jerry found this uh, image for me off the internet. I couldn't find a better one. So we're using this one. Now, I didn't spend time uh, trying to put a dot on every single sheep that I saw and tried to count them all. I tried to count the ones at the beginning of the picture and then just started trying to guess how many more there might be. And my guess there is, I'm pretty confident there's more than 500 sheep. I really doubt that there are five that there are a thousand sheep in this image, but it's a lot of sheep going up a up, starting to up a hill a little bit here. And for those of you who can't see this picture, I apologize, but it's just a bunch of sheep that you see. Um, and as we think about this, I'm just going to say, let's keep it easy. Let's imagine this is a thousand sheep. So if that's a thousand sheep, and I um. I go on to, uh, is it going to move? Oh, there it does move for me. So if I um, get six of these images onto my screen with it cropped a little bit, 
Now I've got 6,000 sheep, even though I don't really imagine that it's truly 6,000 sheep. That's only six. They had 120,000 sheep for these sacrifices. And this doesn't include the oxen, all of those, all those cattle that were, were, were done. So now we're up to, with this image, we're up to 24,000 sheep. If I multiply that by four times, we end up with just under 100,000 sheep. And you can see this is an image. You're really just, you start looking at it. And I, I can't imagine this many sheep. You know, even, even as I look at it, it's just a picture that really doesn't have a lot of meaning anymore. But really, that is still not the number of sheep that we need. So I actually need two more columns of sheep because there are, there are 12 rows here. So I'm going to push it together a little bit and add two more columns, make the picture even smaller. I end up with 120,000 sheep, and it looks just like a, um, well, who knows? I don't know what that image looks like to you, but let's just call it 120,000 sheep. Now, can you imagine the, the, the significance of this many sheep, the value of these, these sheep to those people? This is, their, this is what brings them wealth in this day and age. This is what brings them even more than wealth. This is their sustenance. This is how they live. This is where they get their clothing from. You know, these sheep represent something, and they're given these all as a sacrifice to God. Imagine the, you know, if you look at it from a just purely an economic standpoint, it's like millions or a billion dollars just being just being burned up. That's what was happening to the sacrifices. They were devoted to God. They were given to him. 120,000 sheep. These people truly did. They just they were showing how important God was to them. And the idea of sacrifice truly was sacrifice we you know this almost defines for us what sacrifice is every one of those sheep was it was important to somebody but they gave it up and they could feel the impact of that it it wasn't just a simple thing to do to get rid of it this is more like the widow's mites she gave everything these people were giving out of all of the treasure that they had they were giving it up but the previous ones, before they got to the temple, they couldn't be counted. The 120,000 sheep sounds like a lot, and it sounds significant. But what they were doing before they got to the ark into the temple was they were sacrificing so many sheep and so many oxen that they couldn't even count them. The 120,000, those that's the numerable ones. So just imagine the magnitude of what they were devoting to God that day. They were in essence saying, God, we trust you. You are our God. You are here. You reside in Israel. And we're going to trust you to take care of us. We give you everything. They were trusting in God. And now... Let's move to us. As we consider their sacrifices, a large amount of their sacrifices could be numbered. But then you add to it the ones that couldn't be numbered. They were truly giving, truly trusting of God. And the question comes for me, can I number my sacrifices? 
They got to that point where they had so many sacrifices, they couldn't number them. What about me? Am I doing so much for God? Am I giving my life in such a way to God that I can't even number my sacrifices? New Testament passages. Consider Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So this, our, our bowing before God, our, our giving to him, it's giving our lives, and we do it because of his mercies. Because of his mercies, are we doing something for him? He's been merciful to us. Is my life a living and holy sacrifice for God? Am I all in for Jesus, the one who died for me? Hebrews chapter 13. Through him, talking about Jesus. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. That idea of giving thanks to his name, that is confessing his name. So here in this, in this passage, we hear this, this verse 16 is the, the easier one to figure out. It, you know, our sacrifices are, are doing good and sharing. Um, and I think in the context, really sharing Jesus in particular is what we need to be sharing. But verse 15, you know, the, the, the fruit of lips are our sacrifice. Saying, confessing the name of Jesus, when we confess his name by our action and particularly by our lips, we are offering up a sacrifice of praise to God. So do I confess the name of Jesus as a continual sacrifice of praise to God? Notice that word continually, continue to offer up sacrifice in chapter 13 of Hebrews, verse 15. A continual sacrifice of praise. Am I, do I constantly have the name of Jesus on my lips, backed up by my action that, that I'm telling folks when I have that opportunity, not forcing it out of me, but it should come naturally that I want to tell people about Jesus and I'm going to share him with every opportunity. Do I look for those opportunities to do good and to share with others, share anything with, Jesus, with others so that then I can actually share the name of Jesus? confess his name. Are you offering up praises? Are you offering up sacrifices like that? And last one to consider is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 15. And uh, I'll read 14. I don't want to bust up a sentence here. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, Therefore, all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. And just if that, you need time to let that sink in, just read that over and over again for the, later today. 
question comes, am I living for myself or am I living for him? Am I a sacrifice? Not living for myself, but living for him who died and rose again on my behalf. He died for me. Am I willing to die and give him my life? Can I number my sacrifices? What am I doing for him? My life, my entire, the entirety of my life should be a sacrifice to Jesus. Everything I do, everything I say, I should constantly be thinking of him and trying to do it in such a way that honors him and confesses his name and proclaims his name to others. So it's kind of a humbling thing to think about their sacrifices couldn't be numbered because I look at my life and I do a little, to do the challenge that's down here, number the sacrifices that you have made or that you will, that you are making or that you will make or that you have made. As you consider the, the worldly things or the worldly ways that you've left behind, as you consider sacrifices that you make for the church or things that you've done for the church in the past, these are just examples. They, these, this isn't all encompassing of every inventory you could make of your the sacrifices for God, but sacrifices that I make for others when I do good and when I share for others and the time that I devote for God in prayer, that is a sacrifice when I'm giving up me time for me and God time. That's the best me time. Of my, I consider that as a sacrifice if you can but I'm giving up some worldly ways, some worldly things to be able to do some godly time, just like Jesus going on that mountain to pray. As I think about times that I confess his name, the actual number of times that I have spoken the name of Jesus outside of worship, I can say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all day long in this worship service, and it's pretty simple, and he's the point of it all. But when I go through my week, Am I looking for ways to confess his name? That is, that's the sacrifice of praise that he longs for. Confessing his name, making his name known in a good and honorable way to others. Add up, you start thinking about the times and the sacrifices that you make. Can you number your sacrifices? I can sit down and with a pen and pencil, and I can number my sacrifices, and it's a good, a good opportunity for all us all to do that. Is the challenge is to take a, take some moment, take some time to sit down and just write those things down to let it sink in that hey, you know, there's I'm doing this, that's good, but I know I can do more to honor God. Those uh, folks back there with their sheep, with their oxen, they couldn't number their their sacrifices. I want to get to the point where my in my life where it's just it's just a constant a continual sacrifice to God. My entire life is a sacrifice to him. And I can I can I, it's almost as if I can't number those sacrifices and think about us as a church then if, if we're all contributing and we're all making sacrifices for Jesus then we you know we lump those together and it's we as a group just like that nation back then, we as a nation of God's people were sacrificing. It's just a beautiful thing. Let us pour out our sacrifices to God. Let us not be stingy with our lives, with our money, with our time, with anything. Jesus died for us. And he asked us just to trust him and just to give him everything. Trust him. 
give him your time, give him your money, give him your very best effort, step out of your comfort zone and try and make a, uh, do something to share the name of Jesus in a wonderful way, sacrifice for him. If there's anybody out there today who's not a Christian, then I, I want to encourage you, the only way to truly live is to sacrifice yourself, sacrifice all of your worldly ways, all of your, your body, just give it to Jesus and follow him. Give up control to him. And that's what's supposed to happen in baptism. As we die and we're raised with the spirit in us that will guide us and direct us in everything. Live like that. That's the only way to truly live with joy and peace in your life. Give your life to Jesus today. At the end of this sermon, the sermon, the worship, give me a call if you, if you need to respond. Um, Find somebody whenever you're, you make this decision. Let it be known that you want to give your life to Christ in baptism. Live a whole new life in Jesus. It's a joyful thing. If you need to respond to that, we want to encourage and, and follow through with it. And we encourage you to think about this as we sing our song of encouragement.